streaming on April 14th, 2020 at 5 p.m. Eastern. We're going to try and make this a regular time, 5 p.m. Eastern, you know, 2 o'clock Pacific, tall time zones in between, and time zones around the world every Tuesday. So today, this is our second in a series. We did the introduction, and now we're going to do kind of the first several chapters, maybe chapters one through four. We'll see how far we get. And this is James S. Ward's first vision and communication with spirits. Now, this is not a book written by a spiritist medium. But as I did in my first live streaming last week on this book, there's a lot of things in common. And that's what we'll talk about. And, you know, this is where, you know, for those interested in spiritism, I suggest we really, you know, you look at this book, The Spirits Book by Alan Kardec. Uh, it gives you so many answers. And before I forget, uh, please uh, subscribe to this channel, hit the bell, hit the thumbs up, share if you can. It all helps the uh, YouTube algorithm so we can spread spiritism and the communications and what the spirit world is about to more and more people so we can all as a planet rise as collective humanity to the next level. So let's start on what the vision is, what J.M.S. Ward, J.S.M. Ward saw when he went, when he first had his first vision. So let me bring this up. This is what, I wanted to show this, that way you can keep that in your mind. This is a picture of what No Solar looked like. This is a this is from the book No Solar by uh, Andre Luis. And here, let me put this side by side because the resolution isn't that good. It's actually better, smaller. This is this is the celestial colony. It's above Rio de Janeiro, and this is this is like one of the first levels of heaven. Notice it has a wall around it. So just kind of keep this in mind as we're talking about what the book is about so let's get into it so this is part one and this is talking about how he first started so this is what he says i jsm ward had a vision early in december 1913 in which i learned of the death of my hjl my uncle and father-in-law the vision began with a message that he had died suddenly and went on with the funeral at which i was present. The sensations of grief and remarks and actions of the other mourners were vividly impressed on my mind. When I awoke and later informed Carrie, my wife, we decided to go down and see him, went up in town, but unfortunately, Carrie was not well enough to go on the day we had selected. On January 5th, HJL's birthday, we received about 10.15 a telegram to say that HJL had suddenly died. So, he had a vision early in December, 1913, he, of his uncle and father-in-law, right? Now, and then it wasn't until January 5th that his father-in-law actually died. So he's, J.S.M. Ward actually saw the future. And it, he goes on to say, even his faith in the coffin looked like the one I'd seen in my dream. It differed considerably from his face when he was alive. He was buried on January 8th, 1914. So then he goes on to say, 
During the night of Monday, January 12th, one week after his death on January 5th, at 9 a.m., that's when he died, I dreamt I saw Uncle like and yet unlike he was before he died, something between what I remember him as before and what he looked like after death. Then he said, I have been trying to speak to Carrie, but can't, so I've come to you. Tell her I am alive, more alive than before I died, that I am mentally clear than I was for some time before I died, but here I have to set, up, set to work to learn as if I were a child again, much of what I should have learned on earth. I am with those who did just believe, but not had much real belief. Tell Carrie this. It was lucky for me that I did believe to a certain extent, as otherwise I should have been with the set who are below us, those who did not believe. I used to say it did not matter what a man believed, but I am learning I was wrong. It makes a big difference at any rate at starting. The set above us are those who believed but did not fully act up to their beliefs. So what is he saying? He's saying everything is in, is in agreement with spiritism. Okay, calls it a little bit different. There's different different things. So he is, when he's saying he is those who kind of believe a little bit, but not a lot of belief. That Those are the people in the first levels of heaven. That's why I have here a picture of no solar. That, that is a place for people who, who are just getting used to heaven, don't really, you know, most of them weren't spiritists. Most of them, you know, didn't really dive deep into what the other side was all about. And so they were taken to a colony, a spirit colony, where they could, you know, you know, acclimate to the spirit world. You don't take a baby, right, and just put them to work, right? No, you teach them, you, you show them different things. The same thing when you're taken out of this dense body, although Leon Denis says death is a much easier transition than birth, by the way. Um, so they take you here and they'll give you courses. Now there is a great book, uh, uh, Violets on, on the Window, and she describes life in a city, not it's not Nosolar, but it's like Nosolar, and where they teach you, they teach you how to volatate, which volatate is you move with thought, right? Because is as I've said before, in in the spirit world, thought is action. Here, here on our planet, this is what they call an objective planet. It, things are what they are. What you think they should be doesn't make much difference. But in heaven and in the spirit world, things are more subjective. How you think changes the atmosphere environment around you. Now, many people say that when you die, you create your own heaven. There's a little truth to that, but think, think of this. There are all sorts of other spirits around you, and and under one of God's divine law is the law of affinity. You go with spirits who are like you on the same level. All those people also have an idea of what heaven should be, and then the higher spirits also from above and pole say and create they create the original environment for those people newly dead who you know didn't understand spirits that well. So therefore, your your kind of thinking is not in a vacuum. You're thinking of, of along with the collective thoughts of all those around you, and therefore that heaven seems very real and very solid to you. It doesn't mean you can't go off on your own and kind of create your own environment if you so choose to, but you really want to be trained, right? And and 
this is in the book Heaven and Below. I talk about um, Reverend G. Val Owen's mother who goes and, and trained how to create with her thoughts. She and a group of people will create like a statue of an elephant. And of course, they do a terrible job at first and they all laugh. But imagine how fun it is sitting with a group of people say, okay, now create an elephant, you know, a statue of an elephant. And she said some of us created a kind of a half alive one and we had the size wrong and you know certain parts and all these things. So this is what you know, he's talking about. Now, the other thing that's interested in his comments is that he says, tell, you know, I tried to talk to Carrie, but, I, you know, but I got you, right? So this is very typical. There was a, a NDE I talked about in my book, uh, you know, about NDEs. The spirit world talks to us. And this, this, this guy went to a funeral of his niece. And then in his mind, he heard this, the voice of a little girl saying, you know, trying to get, make contact with him. And he looked around and he goes, is that you? You know, the person that just died? He goes, yes. He goes, well, you, he goes you sound like a five-year-old. And she goes, well, I can sound like anyone I want to. Here, I can sound my age. And she talks in her age at 20-something. Or I can sound old. And she talked in an old voice. He was very taken aback. He goes, well, why'd you talk to me? And she said, I couldn't get through to anybody else. So, again, so that might happen to you. I remember I was at a funeral, and I didn't hear any words, but I could just feel some spirit go right through me. I'd never felt that before. I wasn't a spiritist then. And I just really felt this, this something went through me. It's very interesting. It may, it may have been trying to communicate. I don't, I, I don't know. But uh, it might happen to you. So anyway, that's, you know, there's a little background story. So then JW says, um, he was talking about the different sets of people. You know, people had little belief, more belief, and no belief. And JW goes, what do you mean by these sets? And, you know, and his uncle says, well, after I died, I found we joined that set of people to which we naturally belong. That is, those who hold the same sort of belief or unbelief. We have a teacher, someone like the angel of the Parsons, but they, they don't look a bit like the silly pictures you usually see. The teacher instructs us in what we are lacking, and when that lack has been made good, we move on to the next set, which includes many more different people than our own. We get very bored with meeting only those who think exactly like we did. There is much more variety in the next set. And JW goes, what's that set? And he goes, well, those who believe but did not fully act up to their beliefs. So let's stop there for a second. Again, this corresponds to exactly what was told the Reverend G. Vaughan. Heaven is a series of levels, right? You go, you go higher and higher as you, as you improve your character, your wisdom. You know, you have more charity and love within you. And you, you go higher, not, not only by reincarnating and modifying your behavior and your character, but also by learning. Just as, as, you know, JW's uncle is learning, you know, learning how to, how to volatate, learning what the spirit world's about. And in fact, they talk about that in, when he's talking about, you know, we're, we kind of get bored because we only meet those exactly who think like we did. That's the way the smaller colonies are. And in fact, in spiritism, and what was told by spirits of the Reverend G. Vallon goes, yeah, there's colonies for 
Catholics and Hindus and Jews. There's Catholics for capitalists and, and you know, imperialist and, and, you know, and all sorts of different things that, you know, people will kind of think together and they kind of group those together. And then as they get higher and higher, they understand that there's a fraternity amongst all souls, right? Your individual religion or philosophy, whatever is important to you becomes less as a high priority. And you understand more of the, of the universe, the spiritual universe around you. So then he says, those who believe, but did not fully act in their belief. And then JW goes, well, is there a heaven, hell, and purgatory? And his uncle says, I don't know whether there's a hell. You see, I know nothing at all, save about my own set, the ones above and below. Now, when he's talking about the set just below, is he's talking about the lower zone of the umbrella. We'll get more into that. There are plenty of old friends. I'll carry on with what he said. There are plenty of old friends I expected to see and have not. But of course, they may be and probably are only in another set. Those who do not believe are in the set below. After a time, they come to us. So what is the set below? So the set below is what the uh, in the spiritists in Portuguese call the lower zone or the umbrau. Actually, in Portuguese, they call it the umbrau. And this is what, if you ever get the chance to see, to understand the umbrau, of course, even this is just like a one little peak of it, is it's the space, it starts at the crust of the earth. And as Chico said, it starts at the tip of your nose and it goes up to the, the first level of heaven. And this is, you know, now it's not a bunch of zombies walking around errant spirits, completely disorganized. Although this picture here, I'm showing up on the, on the screen, kind of makes it look like that. But it actually is varied and there's different levels and there's different areas in the umbrella. There are cities, there are organized cities. There are more cities organized by, if they were organized back in, you know, thousands of years ago where you have a, a warlord in charge of a city or a territory. And, you know, it's a mafia-like government. There's the strong man. You know, there are slaves or people who are put in the mines or people who work, right? They all have to work. They will make things. They will make weapons. There will be gangs. There will be armies going back and forth. In fact, we'll, they even talk about armies in, later on in this book when they talk about the officer, which we'll get into in, uh, in weeks ahead, uh, which is very interesting where, you know, these have perpetual war. Now, no one dies. They kind of get stunned for a while and they get themselves back up and they go to war again because, hey, you're a spirit, you're immortal. So it just shows you how, how persistent bad human behavior is. It, it's, it's amazing. So that's the umbrellas. Is It's not a great place. It's not a, it's not a, it's, you know, not a terrible place in all instances, but it's not really a good place, right? It's, it's not like what you think of a hell where people are being tortured all the time. Although Andre Louis said he heard people cry out and screams and yells. And the same thing was told by Camille Bronco and Yvonne Pierre's Memoirs of a Suicide, where, you know, people would just scream in agony. Uh, and a lot of that was mental agony as they thought about their life and they were very repentant about their life. So let's carry on here. So, so then he says, as to purgatory, that corresponds roughly to where we all are, only it's more of a place of learning than of punishment. Still, we are punished because I can't help regretting the time I wasted on earth. 
which would have gotten me into a more congenial set. We all, strange to say, are rather lonely here. We are too much alike to be companions and want to get on so as to meet our old friends, who we believe are in the other sets. So he says he's kind of in a purgatory. So he actually may be in one of the spirit colonies that are, is actually in the lower zone. It's not in one of the first levels of heaven because most people are very, very, very happy there. So he's probably in one of the colonies that's not quite there yet, but close. It's, he's not in a bad situation. He's probably just wanting to be better. He goes, I am learning, but it's slow work. I feel like a schoolboy again. It's funny. I died on my birthday and was really born here on it. And then JW goes, do you know anything on your funeral? And he says, yes, I saw myself lying dead. He goes, be sure and tell Carrie what I said. It saves a lot of time if you do believe. And that we do live after death. I'm very glad I believe as much as I did. And I wish I had believed more. And JW goes, would you go back if you could? Because no, certainly not. I'm much happier here. I'm making progress. However, I must be off now. It seems a funny thing to say to a schoolmaster, but I have to begin my schooling all over again. And that was the end of his first vision. So that was a very, that was a watershed moment. So then, then during the night of January 19th, 1914, he dreamt again. And JW goes, how things are going with you? He goes, well, his uncle said slowly. Well, I wanted to ask you some questions. Well, fire away. He goes, well, where are you? So then his uncle said, well, he goes, he goes, where are you? Do you come to me from somewhere else? And HGL says, not exactly. I'm here all the time. Our world impinges on yours. I hate similes, but the best I can explain it by one. You know those Pepper's ghosts? Well, it is as if we were thrown onto your stage, our scenery, and our characters walking about you, but unseen by you, just as a real man on the stage would not see the phantoms which surrounded him. So he's saying exactly what Spiritism says. They are in a different plane of existence. And therefore, us humans cannot see most of us some people can see spirits in fact i know this one guy that can and his description of them is just you know they, they like they move really fast and you know like robots he says which probably just shows an up temple of the speed and vibrations and harmony in the spirit world so he's saying you know so he's he's there right he can probably go there he probably knows enough how to go and be close to his nephew then JW goes, but you are here now. How then can there be no space? He goes, well, compare us to a thought. We are more than a thought, for we continue to think. But compare us to a thought. You may get some idea of what we mean. On earth, you think Ravenscroft. Your mind, up, your mind calls up a picture of Ravenscroft. And the people there, you see them as they were. To that extent, we and you are, you are alike. But your finer senses are controlled by your body. And you are unaware of what changes may be taking place. Now you know something of telepathy. Do you remember my telling the story of the only true ghost story, which the psychiatrist society got the one sent by the doctor? He goes, well, yeah. He goes, well, it wasn't rubbish after all. <laughs> so anyway, he goes on and, and says, he goes, he goes, you know, we can, you know, you know that some people have learned things that were happening to our friends at a distance. And we can all do so here. So they can see and this so what's going on the distance. He says, that is why we communicate with each other. Speech does not exist with us. This explains those sayings in the Bible about nothing shall be hid. You cannot tell lies here or be deceived. But that is not all. 
for every separate thought exists of itself, and we can see them all. This explains the doctrine of the Catholics, at which I used to laugh, that a really evil thought, such as murder, is worse than a venial sin. He goes, and my punishment consists, consists largely of this, that all my evil deeds and thoughts rise up before me as a real shape, as, my, as I myself possess. They are there with all the surrounding impedia. He goes, what do you mean by that? He goes, well, Jack, I don't want you to think worse of me. So instead of quoting a real offense, I'll show you what I mean by a fictitious one. Suppose a man committed a murder, even a meditated one, riot, merely the actual murder. But all the surrounding details, such as the furniture and room in which it was, or was intended to be, are here. So, again, he's saying what we all have heard in Spiritism. This is the anguish of people in the lower zone. This is why they are yelling and they feel terrible. Because in their minds, they're going through these bad things thoughts and that's what this is why it is so important to really understand spiritism is to understand that we don't we're not here on earth just to keep our mouth shut and, and you know as your mother used to say if you can't say something nice don't say something at all no it's it's that we have to change our thinking and we have to think nicely of everyone that doesn't mean you know as i said before we're, we're not just passive but we have to understand if you know someone's a thief, we still have to love them. That doesn't mean they can't be caught and go to jail or be stopped, right? But it means that you know that that is an immature, a primitive spirit who someday will be better. Because we were a thief probably too. We were probably as dumb as that person was. So anyway, so that's what he's he's saying. So he is his uncle is saying that. You're, you're visited by your own, you know, bad thoughts and your own what you thought of doing bad, which, you know, we all have that in our mind, so it's not easy. So then he, he says, well, does this state remain constant or do you get to know more people and your former thoughts haunt you less? And so then his uncle says this. Now, I told you we did progress only last time. You should not ask unnecessary questions nor try to catch me tripping. I repeat, we do progress as we learn, and particularly as we learn to believe. As to the second part of your question, I don't really know exactly what happens, but as we go on thinking here, we create fresh thoughts, and as these are of a more noble nature than those we thought on earth, they refresh us and enable us to bear more easily the grief we feel for our former faults. We realize as faults here, things on earth, we deceive ourselves into thinking we're not faults. I should add that at first it's rather like a hideous nightmare. All one's dead thoughts come crowding around, but after the time they seem to fall into distinct order, but I can't explain how. So this is again, extremely interesting. This shows you, this shows you the elasticity and plasticity of the spirit world. You truly are what you think this this is your the sum total of yourself is is your thoughts and that is why in spiritist literature they always say you know that personality they talk about a person not as his name or her name or what they look like like oh there's that there's that there's that you know short person right or the left-handed one no they, they said oh there's the personality and that is because that is what we are, right? We are an encapsulated 
mental, you know, mental program of a sort, like an application on your on your Android or Apple phone, you are you know, you are your a unique set of thoughts and character and personality. And as Spiritism tells us here on Earth, our thoughts are always recorded all around us. And these people live in a sea right now of their own thoughts. They don't feel comfortable enough to compartmentalize. Although after a time, you do get to compartmentalize your thoughts you had just on your previous life. And that's what his uncle is going through you know, right now. So this is why the more you can study, become disciplined in your mind, the more you're going to be ready for heaven. In fact, there's a something I was just reading today where, you know, a, a woman, a young woman went to one of the first levels of heaven and they let her go back and visit her family. And she goes, well, can many people visit their family? And they go, no, most people can't because they can't control their thoughts and their emotions when they're down amongst their family. They become too emotionally attached. They don't want to leave. They can't just love them and think the best for them. They, you know, they want to stay and, you know, you have, and, and so it makes total sense. The spirit world is not going to let you go bother your family if you're one of the levels of heaven. You have to get permission because they they want you to become superior to that, to know that people are on earth for their own trials, for their own good. They'll go through their own tribulations up and down for them to learn and improve their personality and character. Okay. Now, now he's going to, about us, how he's going to outline his plan for this book, right? So, and he, in before I switched over, they actually started automatic writing, writing our, our uh, psychography. So, HL says, I'm glad we started this automatic writing as it has proved so successful. I propose to give you a series of such letters in which I shall endeavor to give a connected account of our life over here. Now, I gather that must. Most of the spirit messages which have been received ignore almost everything which does not come under the writer's immediate knowledge. I propose to go further and give, in addition to my own personal experiences, those of the members of the sets above and below us, being those who believe, those who don't believe, etc. And we'll get more into that in, in uh, our next uh, live streams. By this, I mean I hope to cover at least three. And as my friend who has passed over to the set above has promised to try and get in touch with the spirit who is passing on to the one above, I may be able to tell you something of the fourth set. I shall endeavor to give you a description of the geography of this region, if it so may be called. Further, I shall give you my own experiences. Now, it is difficult for you to understand our arrangements here. It is very different from which you are usually taught. It is not, however, so much that the original teaching of the church was wrong, but that it has, but it has been misinterpreted by its teachers. At the best, however, they only show a part of the truth. Not even here do we know all the truth. Truth is like a diamond with many facets. Now, this is so important. This is, this is a, a reason to, to understand Spiritism. Spiritism was given to us in the 1850s, codified by Allan Kardec. It was organized by the Spirit of Truth, as promised in the New Testament. Jesus said, I'm going to send you the Spirit of Truth to give you more information. And what happens is the Spirit world talks to us, 
only at the level that we can comprehend. So when the spirit will talk through Moses to the Israelites, it was very directive. So, you know, here's the commandments. If you don't do it, bam, you're going to be punished, right? You read the Old Testament. It was, it was like strict. Got less strict, right? It got right here. There's love, right? During, you know, 2,000 years ago. And then with the third revelation, spiritism, it's more, you know, it's more, you know, it's, it's more information on the table. They consult with you. Okay, this is what you should read. This is what you should study. So you understand what is expected of you. What is the organization and process of the spirit world? Now, what they're telling us too is that spiritism isn't just everything's in the spirits book by Alan Kardec, and he's written other books too. But this is a continual communication that will give us more and more information as we are ready for it. And in fact, I have a whole set of communications. In fact, I've been doing quite a lot of that lately because of the pandemic we've been in. This is uh, April 2020, telling us why the pandemic is here, how we should approach it, how this is actually going to help us go from a planet of atonement to a planet of regeneration, just one of the small steps of getting people ready, how the spirit world guides us. So this is all important that we know this. And this is what's so great about spiritism is it tells us what is in heaven. And that's why I have my book, Heaven and Below. It will tell you what is waiting for you in heaven. In my second book, Spirits in the Spirit Universe, is what are, what's your attributes? What are your powers? How do you increase your level? How do you become more and more like Jesus, who is a pure spirit? That's our goal, is to become a higher and higher spirit. How does all that happen? So... This is why it's so important to really impress upon yourself to get this information. It will actually make you feel much better. It'll give you an understanding of what's happening here on earth. So anyway, so he goes, as I said, truth is like a diamond with many facets. Each facet contains part, but only part of the truth. Some facets are larger than other. So all creeds exist because of the facet of truth, however small, which they possess. No faith was had no element of truth could exist at all for any space on time on earth. Often, however, the facet is very small. The larger amount of truth, the stronger their faith will as a rule grow. Thus, the Roman Catholics are a numerous body, but neither they nor any sect possesses all truth. They simply form one of the communities which exists in the sets where men believe. There are also Buddhists and heathen there, and indeed all religions. From this stage, we advance until we have all gathered in all truth. Then we sh shall really know what is meant by God. But that is so far hence. Since, however, it is easy for you to comprehend the new facts which I am about to deal, if you can attach them to some theory w uh, with which you are acquainted, I shall adopt the general plan of heaven, purgatory, and hell. Be under no misunderstanding as depicted by many persons. These names are wholly misleading. But if accepted as a convenient and rough classification, they will be helpful. Exactly what Spiritism tells us, right? One fact, however, you must clearly gasp, grasp. So far as I can discover, there's no evidence of the eternity of hell. Again, this is exactly what Spiritism says. No one is punished for eternity. That would be unfair. That would be an unloving God. You're only there in that purgatory-like terrible condition until you change your attitude and your character and say, oh, you know, 
I treated people like dirt. And here I'm in, in this place where everyone treats me like dirt. Maybe it's not a good idea to treat everybody terribly. And then you sit down and you ask God and you ask the spirits for help. Now, he goes, at the same time, spirits may be in what I will call hell for countless ages. For example, Nero is still there and likely to remain for many an earthly age. And then he said, and now, again, this has been said in Spiritism. They, they, we have been told in some of the books by Henri Luis and other books that some spirits have been in, in that lower level, the, dark, they, the Spiritism calls it the dark abyss, for over 10,000 years. In fact, there was uh, Pope Gregory, I forgot what number he was, was one of the like judges in hell because when he died, he went to heaven. They didn't treat him like, uh, you know, commander of the Catholic Church. So then he went down a lower level. He wasn't ready for heaven. He thought you know, he had no humility. And I guess Nero is, is there too. Very interesting. Then as the officer, uh, he says, the officer has just come up from hell, which we'll get into later, which is an uh, interesting story. And so it proves it's not a place of perpetual torment. But mo as most spirits who communicate with the living are fairly spiritual ones, they have never been in hell and they can tell you nothing of it. Many do not know of its existence. For we do not know everything, only what is necessary for our own progress. So then he goes on, he goes, under hell, therefore, I group all those who did not believe. Now, purgatory begins with our set. So I, he's probably just right in that top level of the lower zone and at the bottom level of heaven of one of those colonies until you have received the first glimpses of faith you can make but little progress so hence christ went down in the hell to teach the spirits belief so today exalted spirits sometimes go down thither to teach them to believe and of course again in the books by andre louise great books talking by chico xavier they talked about he goes into the dark abyss he goes into the lower zones trying to help people there are colonies that are people who are lost, right, in the lower zone, uh, as, you know, pictured here. And they say, no, let's come up. Let's, you know, take you into one of the, the higher sections of, you know, of the lower zone and get you ready to really be in a colony that is a part of heaven where you can learn and be with nice people and, and be with, you know, be with in a good environment. So and he says, another fact that may surprise you is that we can still fall into sin or at any rate slip back instead of making steady progress. It is no case of rest and fall asleep. We are very busy striving them out higher, but for us there is little temptation, the carnal sin. Of that we are free, but the unfortunate beings in hell are still subject to their temptations and to their own harm and sometimes gratify them of more of that later now he's right in fact in the books uh they talk about people who are given and given to one of the levels of heaven and then they said well i'm not ready for this i i still want to i still want to do certain things i just don't feel comfortable here and they're not ready so they go back and and you know go back into one of the lower zones now, I'll carry on. Now, a word to yourself. If at times you are wary of this and think it fails in interest, I ask you not to give it up. It is entailing much labor on me, but I will do it gladly, for thereby I am making amends for my own slackness on earth. Then, then he says, um, the author says, 
because then he talks about two strange incidents. Because I'm not sure whether the follow, following dream really formed a continuation of my trance of the uncle or whether it was just an ordinary dream. It was, however, so vivid and peculiar that I entered it. So here's his dream of, of the duel. I dreamt I was clad in a light blue costume of the time of Charles I. I was standing in the hall of a large Jacobean house. The furniture was of that period. Suddenly there was a fierce hammering on the hall door. A manservant opened it, and I saw a man on a horseback. He was clad in black, and his beard was black, and cut rather short and square round his face in a peculiar manner. His face was very white, and on his head was a tall fur cap. He rushed into the hall and challenged me to a duel. I drew my rapier, which had a jeweled handle, as he drew his. He then snatched up a short sword or long dagger, broad towards the hilt with, with a fine point, and with this he parried the thrust from my rapier. My servant cried, the Italian method, and slipped into my left hand a similar dagger. I can distinctly remember the jar each time our swords were caught on the broad part of the daggers. At length, my blade slipped over his and ran him through the shoulder. He then declared that he would go, but suddenly slipped to the house again, snaps up some papers which were on an oak chest nearby. With these, he turned and ran into the garden. Furious at his treachery, I sprang after him and ran, ran him through the body. My blade entered his back between the shoulder blades and came out a little lower down in his chest. He fell and grasped out his life in a few minutes among the flower beds. I fell on the path, sobbing and lamenting as I lay there. I saw the villagers looking through the gates and the servants picking up the body of the dead man. I have a very clear recollection of the intense grief I felt. Then I dreamt that I awoke from this dream and saw a picture of the sword, the very one I used in the fight. I therefore sprang from the bed, the one in our room, and going to the chest of drawers, found there a piece of paper. And then he drew the, drew the sword. Because I don't see how this dream could have any connection with, with Uncle, but determined to ask him. So that, who knows what that dream really meant. Now, that could have been a dream of his past life, that now that he's plugged into the, the spirit world, he was, he was, his mind was going through the great universal, you know, data set, the universal cloud, which contains everything in our past lives, contains all data, contains everybody's thoughts. And in fact, that's one of the ways that spirits know about us. They just plug into the universal database. They know what is happening to you at this moment, and they know what will happen to you sometime in the future. Depending on the level of the spirit, they'll see farther and farther into the future. Of course, they can see it all the way in the past that they want to. So anyway, then he goes on and he talks about his, his daughter. And she goes, his daughter was named uh, Blanche. And she was leaning out the dining room window, looking to the gardens, very young. She got very excited and declared she, she saw the big granddad. So that must have been, you know, his, uh, his, that was his father-in-law. He was wearing his black skull cap on his head and said, hello, chickabitty. He came floating down from a blue patch in the sky and took hold of her right wrist and tried to pull her up to heaven. She pulled and he let go and went to the various parts of the garden and looked over the whole place by going up to a big rock on the hill behind the house. So his daughter described all this as it happened to her mother, who was in the room, pointing in the various directions as the figures changed position. Mrs. Ward, that's his wife, says she seemed perfectly genuine at the time. She repeated very accurately to me the same evening. 
She said, hello, granddad, in answer to his greeting. He looked at her just with smiling laugh and appeared to be moving around uh, the house and garden. And, that is, and then Blanche, of course, is only four years and three months old. Again, we are told that is typical what happens uh, to smaller children. They can detect spirits because they're, they're still kind of in that world. They kind of see with that sight. Um, in fact, we are told that the spirit guardian stays with the child till constantly till they're seven to, the, to make sure they don't do anything too stupid, right? As you ever notice when small little children are walking and look behind them and they're going towards a post, but somehow they always miss it without like banging straight into it. Well, that's their spirit guardian say, okay, pay attention for just one second and don't run into that post. And, you know, it's amazing. So anyway, this is setting up now. We'll get into more and more of the different areas. So next week we will talk about what is going on in this set where he is at now and which you can learn all these different things about what he saw in heaven. And I'd just like to repeat again, what he is seeing is very close to what is told to us in the books by other spiritist mediums. And what you can, if you want to learn about heaven, the lower zone, which he calls, you know, you know, heaven, purgatory, and hell, but which really is heaven, the lower zone, and the dark abyss. You can read my book, Heaven and Below, Book One of Spiritism, The Spirit World Revealed to an English Vicar. And then the second book in the series, which uh, sh should be fascinating to most people, is Spirits and the Spirit Universe, which which I go through is, what are you as a spirit? How do you rise as a spirit? Do you, are you, how do you get educated as a spirit? How do you change? Because when you graduate from one level to the next level, you don't just get a piece of paper. You are actually transformed. You are given more power. And in fact, people in, in areas of responsibility are also given more power. And then my last, my last uh, book in this series is how we are guided by spirits and tells how they guide us. I also talk about how they guide whole countries and organizations and what the future of the world will be like. So anyway, I want to thank everyone for being with me today and know that we'll be coming back uh, Tuesday. We'll make this a regular thing. And um, God bless all of you. And go out there and understand and learn about the spirit world. God bless.